are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Right now, local time, it's 107. And this portion of the program is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in and see them a delicious lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. I just want to um, finish that, that I'm posting this, folks. Again, it's John DePietro on this Monday. Remember, you can listen on our website, dipetro.com or AM 1380, 99.9 FM. The defendant in the middle with the black mass is accused in taking an illegal U-turn resulting in a fatal hit and run. The man in the picture the um, Kevin Bristow his attorney is the person that was in court with him. But what's interesting is the media will not even identify that this man that's accused needed a translator with him in court. And I'm, I'm, I am at a loss to explain to you why when that seems to be a fact. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. We're also going to try to get answers on this whole thing. I don't, I don't understand at all. Um, why that the, the media will not report that he couldn't he couldn't speak English in court? But all right, aside from that, I want to play. Um, it was a good piece on what's going on in the midterms. Um, yesterday on Meet the Press and. Folks, it's very dramatic how much Democrats now, they've completely lost voters in rural areas. Really actually remarkable how much they've lost voters in rural areas. And I want to just play a little bit of this with um, Chuck Dodd and Claire McCaskill. But uh, the Democrat Party is basically failed. Missouri. You yeah. lived this. You saw, you know, first it was Missouri Listen to this, Senate, folks. As they would always say, that was the rural heart, if you will. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, and then it, you just saw it spread like wildfire places that voted Democrat for decades in Missouri. What's your reaction? Well, um, I don't want to underestimate the challenge the Democratic Party has in rural America. And you're right, Chuck, I lived it. I watched it. Over my 40 years in politics, I watched the boot heel in Missouri go from the most reliably Democratic area to an area that I think maybe Joe Biden got 20 percent. Um, and what has happened here is it's, it's a complicated stew, and it started before Trump. But there's no question that Donald Trump was a marketer, first and foremost, and he mainlined grievance. And a lot of folks that live in rural Missouri, and I did 50 town halls, most of them in rural Missouri, the year before I ran in 2018. And my doors were open to anybody who wanted to come in and any question I asked, and there was a lot of anger. A lot of anger, more so than when I did the town halls over Obamacare. There was so much anger, and it's like Trump gave a voice to their grievance. Mm. You're, you're being looked over. You're being looked down upon. Everybody's getting something but you. It's not the microchip. It's the Mexicans that are stealing your jobs. Um, and this disconnect between the reality that their economies are so dependent on tax dollars. I mean, rural economies only work now because of tax dollars, whether it is healthcare dollars or whether it is ag subsidies. So there is this total disconnect and the Republicans have been masterful at messaging around things that are changing for the good, but that scare people around culture issues. I mean, what's your reaction to this? You heard from some of these candidates that 
They, they just want reinforcements. They want people to show up. They want the Democrats to show up in these places. And part of it has taken a step back. I mean, this whole discussion's around how Democrats have lost rural America, but it could easily be named how Democrats have won multiracial America. You know, you look at places like Albany, Georgia, that's rural, uh, places where Democrats have made gains over the last couple of years. And um, also the reality that white voters, both men and women, are not drivers. Uh, increasingly, every election cycle of Democratic Party wins, and that's at every level. So uh, the question for us to ask is when we look at the Democrats losing steam in places that are largely white areas, pockets of America, look alternatively to the places where Democrats are being very successful. It isn't just exclusively urban areas, it's also suburban areas where the population is changing. And it's also slices of rural America in places like Albany, as I mentioned. My, my feeling is this. If you are looking to white voters for victory in 2022, the Democrats investing money, trying to satisfy voters who voted for Trump or voting for Republicans or more, uh, it's going to be a tough road for Democrats. If instead they shift their focus to uh, voters, not only you know voters of color, particularly women of color voters, black, Asian American, and Latinos. Who Asian American uh, and Latino women uh, have increased their voter turnout some twenty five to twenty seven percent. These are that's the powerhouse for the Democrats. And my argument is to shift focus there. Brian, go. I know. I, I, I just I have go to say for it, something. Claire. I, I have to. I think Ryan's going to say the same thing. I, I, first of go all, ahead. we are losing ground in sub suburban right now. Um, and secondly, that is a great, we had a record turnout in 2018 in blue areas of our state. I, we, we killed it in St. Louis, in Kansas City, killed it. Our numbers were way over what we ever projected would be. Our voters turned out, progressive voters turned out, but there were more of them. And the problem is we have too many states where if our strategy is only motivating our multiracial base, we will not control the United States Senate because we have way too many Democratic yeah, senators I, from I, states I, I, that are Trump states. Yes, and I appreciate what you're saying. And I'll say for 22, yeah. the, the states are Georgia, North Carolina, and uh, uh, Florida as the top. All three of those states uh, have great potential for the Democrats if they lean into particularly women of color voters who are three times, six times more likely to vote for Democrats than white guys. And the strategy is for a group of, you know, uh, Democrats who have dem demonstrated to be the most loyal, uh, traditionally the parties ignored us. But we delivered victories and high turnout for 2020 and we'll do the same for 2020. Let me bring in Brian Stryker because, Brian, this is the issue, right? The either or strategy. Is there an e <laughs> there, there's not an or here, is it? No, no, I mean, and I think um, I say two things. The uh, the new boot heel to me is the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Some of these counties that are extremely rural, 90, 95% Latino. And uh, Trump gained 20 points in them. And they're, they're becoming, you know, they've gone from deep blue to more swingy. And then I'm worried about where that trend goes. And that, that sort of, you know, we're having challenges with rural Latinos all over the, the Southwest. Uh, but I think in general, if you're persuading people to vote for us, whether that's getting them, you know, off their couch and to the polls or getting them to vote for us and not Republicans, you got to be doing both. And frankly, a lot of the things that that work for one group are working for another. I mean, they're, they're just they're just looking for someone who can solve the big problems of the day. They feel like like gets them, uh, understands their lives. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's, you know, a, do we go for the base or do we go for yeah. the swing voters? Like we can't do one or Brian, the other. Brian, you've actually said a few times you worry that the strategists in the democratic party are, are, are more out of touch than some of the elected officials with, with rural and exurban America. Well, yeah, I think that the other thing we have to sort of throw onto here is a big part of our problem is voters without a college degree, right? Those are heavily, uh, whether we're talking about white rural voters, rural voters of color, they're just less likely to have a college degree. And those are the voters that are slipping away from us. I think there is a specific rural problem as we get looked at more as a big city party and a sort of metro area party that they just don't feel like there's a place for them. But I do think there's 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 part of that that um, 
uh, just where our uh, where our people are coming from that are working campaigns and and, and strategists and stuff like that. And you know, that's, it's hard for all of us. I don't I don't mean to uh, cast aspersions, but but I do think right. we're not hearing a lot of rural voters. We're just like not hearing them. We don't understand their lives. Amy, we're all piling on you here a little bit, uh, but the either or. I mean, how do you how do you win the United States Senate no, without let, rural? You don't win Florida without let, doing uh, losing with losing well, rural Florida. By 60. I, I, Listen to this, I, folks. It's so interesting because the pylon is around a change of consciousness for the Democratic Party to really acknowledge that women of color's high vote turnout. Yeah, there was high vote turnout across, but women of color, it was phenomenal. And uh, that's what delivered the victories that really counted. We made great gains in states like Florida. Look at Florida now. A lot's been said about rural Florida, but Democrats lose statewide by about less than 1%, 40,000 votes. Where are those votes going to come from? If we really look at who's most, most likely to vote for Democrats, new populations of voters rise to the importance for Democrats. Uh, Caribbean women, for example, Haitian and Jamaican women who are never in the public conversation actually have the numbers to turn a state like Florida. So we need to change the consciousness and conversation. Our last word. Well, we don't have to win rural America, yeah. but we can't lose it by 30 and still gain the presidency and control Congress. And so it's all of the above. You know, folks, that is um, really remarkable how much and again i know it was extensive good afternoon um the, the fact that that and bruce sent me it's true democrats are losing parents um the the fact is that they the the the, the I, i'm going to find the cut because it was really significant and the, the they showed the amount of suburban counties first that Bill Clinton had, and it was in the thousands, then that Barack Obama had, and then it was smaller into the hundreds. And Biden now, it, it, it's it's remarkable how much um, they they are really losing suburban voters. And let me just find it because, you know, this I watch, a, I consume a lot of information and news folks. And so when I see something like that, I notice that it's really not talked about as much. It's 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 just not. Um, let me um, I want to just see if I can find it. And again, folks, just bear with me. OK, there it is. Um, uh, and again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I, uh, you know, this is also, um, <laughs> this thing about Kamala Harris. Oh, here we go. Listen to this. This was on Meet the Press yesterday. You're going to want to hear this. Uh, this is good. Nation's urban-rural divide has deepened. Democrats have increasingly lost support in rural America. In 1996, then President Clinton, he won a whopping... 1,117 counties, rural counties, including all but 20 of Iowa's 99 counties. Basically, he won half of the nation's rural counties. But in 2008, Barack Obama won less than half of that, just 455 rural counties, even though he had won a popular vote by seven points nationwide. That's all the rural counties he could win. Fast forward to 2020, the numbers shrunk again. Joe Biden won just 194 counties. That's just 17% of the total that Bill Clinton won in 1996. And the latest NBC News polling shows you that the problem has not gone away. It's gotten worse. Trust me, Terry McAuliffe in Virginia knows this. Yes, Democrats have an advantage in the urban areas, 24 points on the generic congressional ballot. But as you move out geographically, the Democratic numbers shrink and the Republican numbers grow and grow big time. 34 points right now. The number appears to be growing. For our current episode of Meet the Press Reports, I traveled to Iowa. I talked to voters about why the Democratic Party is simply hemorrhaging rural support. Listen to this. Do you feel as if simply having a D next to your name is why you lost? Yes. Wow. Patty Ruff lost her state house seat representing Clayton County in 2016. We had her picture taken with Hillary Clinton stop by, as all Listen candidates to this, folks. do. That's all it took. And I fullheartedly, I guess, now in retrospect, but I, I posted it. I was a proud mom, and I posted it on Facebook. And they used that. They cut my Just son out. You yep. have a picture with Hillary Clinton. Yep. And that's all they did. Yep. 
Yep, they ran it. You're a national Democrat. Yep. Clayton was one of 31 counties that were carried by Barack Obama and Donald Trump, overwhelmingly rural and home to roughly a quarter of all Iowans. In 2020, Biden failed to win a single one of these counties back. There was no way Biden was going to win Iowa in 2020. It just was not going to happen. Brian Brunig chairs the Clayton County Democratic Party. Any version of Joe Biden? None. It was not going to happen as long as Trump was on the on the thing. He got annihilated um, in 2020. Uh, Democrats did here in Iowa in the state races. Ruby Boudicca ran and lost a campaign for state house in 2020. I feel like an exhausted rural Democrat. I'm tired. I feel like there's a lot of weight on me. Like, I just, I just, I, I honestly just want to be done a lot of days. I mean, I have four kids. I have a full-time job. I'm a single mom. I work. I don't even make $15 an hour, and I, I'm tired. Our special report also has a story by my colleague Antonia Hilton about how black rural voters feel abandoned by the Democratic Party, somewhat ignored. You can see the full Meet the Press report. Folks, it's really um, incredible. And again, I re- realize it's a little lengthy. But good afternoon on this Monday. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I am still just shaking my head over. I don't understand things that are edited with the local media. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you had a fatal hit and run over the weekend. You have the defendant turned himself in. They don't even tell the family. He sits behind them in court. So he supposedly took an illegal U-turn. And he is in court. Think of this. He takes an illegal U-turn, fatal hit and run, and flees the scene. He's in court. He's in court and needs a Spanish translator. He's in court, needs a Spanish translator, and they won't let him drive, revoke his Rhode Island driving license, and then they take his passport. He has to be back in court on August 5th. Here's, here's a question. Why, what country, I'm going to guess Guatemala, but why does someone who has a Guatemalan passport also have a Rhode Island driver's license? You're not supposed to have a Rhode Island driving license, driver's license unless you're an American citizen. So why does someone who then has to hand in their Guatemalan passport have a Rhode Island driver's license? Folks, this, again, plays into the fact, but they, the, the local media, I just checked 10 and 12, they won't even report that he needed a Spanish translator. Hear me out. It could be very possible that this person, this Domingo Castro, says, I didn't, I don't understand English. I don't speak English. I don't read English. The signs are all in English. I didn't know I couldn't take an illegal U-turn. That's why I hit the woman. And that's why he fled. I'm not saying it's a legitimate defense. But here's my question. For, I, I don't understand 10 and 12. They act like the woman's invisible. He's standing there with his lawyer, Kevin Bristow, but to his right, am I the only one that sees this woman? Is this a figment of my imagination? Is this like Jimmy Stewart and Harvey? There's a woman with a blue mask on and a purple-looking blue jacket with glasses on. She's the Spanish translator. Are we supposed to, what, we don't see her? What is wrong with these people? That's significant. Well, I don't understand what that has to do with it. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Gee, I don't know. Isn't it conceivable that he didn't understand he couldn't take the U-turn? Then he got nervous and fled? Here's a question. Why is someone with a passport, why does he have a Rhode Island driver's license? Huh. You'd almost think that illegals are getting driver's licenses. Do you know why? Because they are. What else are they doing with it? They're voting with it is what they're doing with it. And folks, right now at 125 on this Monday, congratulations. You're listening to the only media program that will bring this to your attention. Channel 10 and Channel 12. I don't know if it's the young reporters. I don't know if it's the people behind the scenes. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But why? Oh, no, no. We can't report that. You know, this goes back to Providence College in September of 2020. Providence College. The, uh, a young uh, Providence College student, a um, dark-skinned male, or was it a light-skinned, dark, black person? I don't remember. But the word, I think, black was used. Somebody approached a Providence College female student. I have this on the website as well. And, um, and, and, and it was an attempted sexual assault. So PC, Providence College Security, put out a bulletin to students. Be cautious. A Spanish-speaking, light-skinned, dark male attempted to rape a young female PC student. Do you know that the head of security was terminated for mentioning, number one, color of skin, light-skinned, dark male, two, that he spoke Spanish. There were protests, they were an uproar, how dare he, blah, 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 the Everything now, all efforts are for the the criminals. It's not for the victims. There's a great story on Kamala Harris, by the way, that I'm going to play for you in just a moment. Um, the, the two guys that wrote the book on, um, wrote the book that Kevin McCarthy's in, that Ramundo's also mentioned it, that I'm going to mention. They write about it as well. Um, folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by R.E. Coogan Heating. Call today, 401-732-6562. 401-732-6562. R.E. Coogan Heating. Give them a call. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. As Coog says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. R.E. Coogan Heating. 401 732 6562. Folks, as always, visit the website, depetro.com and depetro.com, which is brought to you by realtor Pat Elston, Caldwell Bank of Realty. She's based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call Pat today at 401-474-5253. There is a link on the website, depetro.com. Listen to uh, this piece about uh, I love this. Vice President Harris. I want to hit with you guys. There's so much to get to. But you brought up the Vice President, Alex. Um, Pat, uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, felt disrespected. Here's one anecdote you have. Harris worried that Biden's staff looked down on her. She fixated on real and perceived snubs in ways the West Wing found tedious. When Harris walked into a room, the White House staff did not stand up the way they did for Biden. The Vice President took it as a sign of disrespect. What was astonishing here is apparently there was a meeting about this. Yes, the the uh, chief of staff to uh, Kamala Harris telephoned the West Wing and told a senior advisor in the West Wing to Biden. The VP has noticed this and she, she uh, w- would like folks to stay and staff members to stay when she enters the room. This pulls back, the, I think, the, the curtain on what this White House is really like. The tensions are deep and they are real between the VP's office and the West Wing. Uh, obviously, the public image is, is, is what it is, but they, this is an ongoing challenge. And what is hovering over all of this, Chuck, yeah. is 24. So is Biden going to run again? And if not, is it going to be VP Harris? No way. That is the mood music hanging over the entire Democratic Party right now, as are Biden's poor numbers. And we have a story that's going to be today yeah. on the New York Times website that is, for the first time, going to reveal a number of memos and polling memoranda and decks that show the course of Biden's decline over 2021 and their urgent warnings that his pollster offered the White House to stop that decline. The, the Biden White House, good afternoon, folks, at one thirty. The Biden White House is a complete, complete disaster. It's even worse than you think it is. It, it could be, you know what? And it's also an easy question. Who's the leader there? Who's the leader? Who's really calling the shots? Who's really in charge? They, they are so lost. And I, the media is trying to help them by saying um, that, you know, they're, they're trying to turn it around, but there's, 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 it's, just, it's just not happening. I mean, it's not even close. Um, 
a lot is being written how, and folks, what, something that we have to do is stop because we, we are two countries and we're, we're also even becoming like two different states because the people outside, I'll tell you what has to happen. Rhode Island can't let the inner core, Rhode Island can't let Providence run the show. Rhode Island can't let Rhode Island can't let the you know the inner core of what is going on in 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 Providence can't dictate the rest of the country. Uh, excuse me, the rest of the state and policies. And McKee going with the drop. I was licensed for illegals. You know, this Ashley Kalis, I have no idea why she's not beating him over the head with that already. Biden received early warnings. Immigration inflation could erode his support. These are the guys with the book, Jonathan Martin, Alexander Burns. President Biden enjoyed high approval among Americans in the early months of his presidency. Millions of vaccines were distributed throughout the United States. White House trumpeted high job growth, proof of a rebounding economy. Privately, Biden's lead pulse was already sounding the alarm that even with the early successes, certain gathering threats could sink support for the president and his party. Immigration is a growing vulnerability for the president, said the pollster. They warned a package of confidential polling voter surveys recommendations. Voters do not feel he has a plan to address the situation on the border and it's starting to take a toll. Within a month, there was another stark warning. Nearly 9 in 10 registered voters are also concerned about increasing inflation. This was a memo obtained by the New York Times. The series of confidential polling data in weekly memos presented to Biden's inner circle from April of last year to January provide a roadmap of the declining support of a president whose initial legislative proposal spurred comparisons to the New Deal of Great Society. Despite the early warnings from his pollsters, Biden and his top advisors have struggled to prevent either issue becoming a major political liability. His economic team said inflation was temporary. Turmoil among his immigration aides delayed any serious action to address the border. For all the ambition of Biden's domestic agenda, his pollster also warned him most voters do not have a clear sense of his economic proposals. Starting last April, folks, a year ago, they urged Biden do more to explain his plans for funding new government programs with new taxes on the wealthy. Last January, they wrote less than a fifth of voters report having heard about his climate social spending package. So there's a paper trail. And what this is, is the pollster saying, hey, it's not us. If we can only recommend we were giving warning. This also tells me the Biden people are saying we didn't know. We didn't know it was such a big deal with congressional elections just months away. The polling memos underscore the biggest challenge for Biden and his party is to take the prospect of losing power Republicans on Capitol Hill. The correspondent was obtained in reporting for a forthcoming book, This Will Not Pass, Trump, Biden, and the Battle for America's Future. Folks, in this book, this is where in the book they report that then Governor Raimondo was telling the Biden camp in February of 2020, Biden needs to step out, get out of the primary and endorse Mike Bloomberg. How did that work out? The pollster declined to comment. The documents were obtained from three people in the administration with access to the polling data. President would focus on reducing costs for families, reducing the price of goods. Um, Biden blamed Russian invasion Ukraine for high inflation, although consumer prices were high before the attack. Homeland Security released a plan last week how they would approach the border after lifting a Trump area public health rule that empowered border agents to turn away migrants. But those strategies have yet to resonate with voters and the president's own allies say unless they can find a way to address vulnerabilities outlined by his own team, Republicans will maintain momentum in November. Listen to this, folks. And again, good afternoon at 135. You're listening to the John DePietro show. Over half of Americans disapprove of the job Biden's doing. Inflation's at a 40-year high. Moderate Democrats and Republicans are echoing the plea for a plan to deter illegals at the southwest border. Democrats have a real important choice to make, and that is do, that is do you give in to fear-mongering? 
that the right is going to play or to provide a vision of hope, said the president of the collective pack. If we don't, we don't provide a vision, the folks will get in what they hear on the other side. Folks, I also don't understand former Cranston Alan Fung and his challenger, Bob Lancia. Why aren't they beating the drum more on the problem at the border? More importantly, why aren't they putting pressure on Seth Magaziner, the Democrats that are running for the Jim Langevin seat? Why aren't they putting pressure on those candidates to answer where they stand? You know why? Because David Siegel and Seth Magaziner, you know what they'll say? They're in favor of open borders. So what happens? The local press won't even ask the question. When Azalone, the poster, sent the warning last spring, immigration is the only issue where the president's ratings are worse with our target than with voters overall. The Biden administration was struggling to move thousands of migrant children out of border facilities into shelters. They had planned to address the root cause and establish an orderly compassion system at the border. But it's going to take time. Behind closed doors, as top aides debated throughout the spring and summer how to unwind Trump-era policies, what kind of system replace them with. In July, even as they made progress in moving minors from the border, the research showed issue was causing anxiety among voters. A memo on July 9th pointed immigration and crime as two major weaknesses for Biden. He holds weak negative ratings on immigration and crime. Three days later, the president held a meeting on policing with Eric Adams, who would then go on to win the New York City mayoral race. He's also encouraged to invest millions to, um, but the pollsters warned, while the president's performance remains strong, violent crime has edged out the virus as the top crisis. Biden's response to the pandemic maintains support until the summer. When the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the spread of the virus hurt his overall approval ratings. The administration was surprised by the durability of inflation. Part because the Delta variant impact in the economy had caused a prolonged stretch of spending on certain goods. Rather than services driving prices. But the administration maintained for months that inflation would be temporary. A message that has not resonated with voters. Well, that's because it's not true. The pollster memos also presented research on what proposals voters supported. His firm advised his firm advised describing infrastructure social spending packages as a means to address supply chain issues, lower drug costs, tax the rich. Biden appeared to capitalize on the research, holding various speeches how the agenda was easing global shortages. His most recent included a billionaire's tax to ensure the rich pay their fair share. You know, this shows, folks. That, listen, there's no way they're going to turn this around. It's just, it's not happening. They're running out of time. By the way, tomorrow's primary day in Ohio. And that's a very important primary to watch. The month of May around the country, they are having primaries. The Rhode Island primary of September 13th is way too late. I also want you to understand, and again, folks, good afternoon at 139. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I've heard over the weekend from very good sources, credible sources, that the Senate bill that was uh, the Senate bill that passed on voting will pass in the House. And I think the Republican Party of Rhode Island a week ago. Today, last Monday, GOP, uh, GOP Chairwoman Susie Yankee held a press briefing with State Senator Jessica De La Cruz. And I thought they missed a great opportunity to make the case about changes they want to make with voting. Um, as we talked about with Justin Katz, what is basically happening is notice that the Republican candidate for governor of Rhode Island, Ashley Kalis, she's the only one up on television. Because the rest of them all realize it's now all about ground game. Our elections, the Rhode Island elections, and if this voting bill is approved, it'll get even worse. 
what they're doing is elections are basically when when election day rolls around, the contest is already decided because they're going to put so much into early voting and mail ballots and mail ballots. I want to explain again. And I want you to understand that at 141, what I just told you, no one else is telling you that locally. No one is. Not even, and I, I, I will be critical. The GOP chairwoman and, and state senator Jessica De La Cruz, they failed to make the case. The fact that they stood there and used what Buddy Cianci did in the early 80s borders on malpractice. Borders on malpractice. It was too long ago. There are much more recent examples you can point to. But look at what's going on. The, the, the only person up on television is the GOP candidate, Ashley Kalis, the person from the outside that doesn't know how the game is played. So she's spending all this money on TV. If TV was effective or the way to go, Nellie Gorbea would be up. Helena Folks, who has all Ramundo people with her, is she up on TV? People are saying, oh, she's got to do these ads. No. Putting all money in the ground game. And I want to be very clear. This business about mail ballots, they're not mail ballots. You know what they are? They're drop box votes. Because the only way that you get in trouble is if you mail it through the U.S. mail. Because then that's committing mail fraud. But if you do, that's why they want those drop boxes. But if you drop it in a drop box, then there's no penalty. Now, that's number one. Point two, they call it a mail ballot. Well, it's not being mailed anymore. They put them in the drop box. But let's talk about that word ballot. So Nellie Gorbea is going to hire someone to go out. Is she going to hire to collect ballots? Do you think if you worked for, let's just say, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea, um, are they paying her if the person says, I collected 1,000 ballots? Um, I, I think we got half of them. I think meaning, you know, we'll get half of them. No, no. What, they don't mail ballots. They are box drop votes. Nellie Gorbea is hiring ground game people to collect votes. You don't hire someone to go out. Does that make sense to you at all? Would you hire someone who comes back and says, the good news is I did collect 20 ballots. The bad news is Dan McKee got 10 of them. No. And I'll tell you what else. You're certainly not going to pay that person. No, no. They're collecting votes. It's, it's, it's box it's box drop, drop box votes is what that is. And I have heard it's going to pass the House. If it passes the House, I can't even begin to explain how problematic that is. You know, and I hate it. I, I would stand, if I had to, I would wait three hours in line on Election Day to vote. But you watch. They're going to say, look at that, no problem. People eat breeze in and out on Election Day. You know why? Because the, the game's already over. It's already over. They're going to decide the election before Election Day. On Election Day, Nellie Gorbea, who should not be running for governor, do you really think? Let me ask you this at 145, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You, so let me get this straight. The person who's running the election, you think she's going to lose the election. Is that what you're – the person who's running the election is going to lose the election. Would you be part of a football game if the opposing coach was also the ref? Does that sound fair? Let's just say you – your child plays youth soccer. How would you – competitively now. How would you feel that the ref is also the coach on the other team? How about basketball? The answer is no. Why in Rhode Island? Why is the person who's running the election one of the candidates? You really think she's going to lose? She's going to lose the election that she's running? Absolutely not. Impossible. 
Folks, this portion of our program is brought to you by Brood Awakenings. Stop in and see them. Discover the brew difference. Two locations in Johnson. Also, Brood Awakenings. Pontiac Avenue in Cranston and also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Delicious food. You could pop in right now. You could get a good drink. You get uh, something to eat. Nice, comfortable chairs, big screen TVs at Brood Awakenings. No, that is um, that is is not going to happen. Um, I can't emphasize enough to what is happening with um, with the McKee the McKee campaign. I think, and and it could be that he decided he needed a timeout. He needed a vacation. Now, the only thing is, he's obviously not truthful on why why he needs a week vacation. He has low poll numbers. He's the subject of an FBI probe. Now people are questioning his latest insider crony deal, where, of course, it went to, you know, a golf buddy. That's who he gave the contract to. The problem is the person who lost the contract is Ashley Kalis, who's now running for governor. And she's looking for vengeance. She is. She is absolutely. Looking for she, you know, and maybe that was maybe that was the catalyst that she's so angry that she decided to run for governor. We will talk to her at some point. Um, she is trying to settle her. She's got a dispute with the Rhode Island Department of Health. But Governor McKee, he likes to point to other people. And, um, oh, no, that's not me. That's the, oh, no, this was going on before. No, it wasn't. She, she, she lost the contract a few months ago. Um, oh, well, you know, it was last, no, it wasn't last summer. Why is he lying? Why? I mean, he's not being truthful about it. I, I can't get over the story though, locally that. That they allow um, this guy who was involved with a fatal hit and run. And they not only do they let him out. Good luck if he shows up for court August 5th. Oh, they took his passport. Yeah, because it's, first of all, it's, it's, it, it, it's not tough to, you know, it, it's not tough to get, get out of the country. Right? I mean, it. It's it, it's not if you if you're willing to if you go down to the border, you, you can you can get across. He can get into Mexico and then make his way back to Guatemala. So and then what are we what are we going to try to find him and then go there? Um, it, it's just it's not happening. But I I can't believe I I still don't understand why the media won't report that. And let me go around again and check everybody. They won't report that he, I I think it's pertinent to the story that he needed a translator. All right, I'm on the Boston Globe website, nothing. Um, Because they do crime. That was a crime. It's a fatal hit and run. He fled from the scene. I don't see anything there. Why is it that I'm the only one reporting he needed a Spanish translator? I think that could come into play. He doesn't know how to read English. Um, suspect in a deadly hit and run. Nope, it's the same story they posted. Charged with leaving the scene. Turned himself in. They have that he was sitting there. He was ordered to surrender his passport. Told him not to drive. I don't know what he was doing with a Rhode Island license. They were yelling at him, and they have him standing up there with his attorney, Kevin Bristow. This poor woman was set to fly to the U.K. ahead of her 77th birthday. Instead, this guy allegedly takes and makes an illegal U-turn, not only hits her and kills her,
but then flees the scene. Is it possible that because of the language barrier, he didn't understand the sign? That he didn't understand the sign that that it said that he couldn't take a, a U-turn? They have nothing about that. You know, on the Facebook page and also on the website, I have the video from uh, what happened over the weekend. Um, let's see. It was a road rage incident, they believe. Charged with driving to endanger. I feel that the, 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 the driver was supposed to be in Kent County this morning. He's still in the hospital. Ryan Van Winkle. 39-year-old Matthew Yotter of Newport was killed in the crash. He was the passenger. Troopers, troopers think it was road rage. I mean, a man who was driving in front of the two vehicles saw the crash. I can't sleep, sleep since it happened. I can't function. It's weighing heavily on me. I'm, I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and I'm seeing the people in the pickup truck go, going in and out of the pickup truck while it's flipping. Oh, goodness. It's an unbelievable traffic jam. The the state police did not, um, they should have tweeted out about the accident. Massachusetts State Police, they know how to put out information. Rhode Island State Police do not. Maybe it'll change with the new colonel. Um, now, I, the initially they said, that he that this guy was a passenger. So I'm still confused as to exactly what happened with that story. Let me see if somebody has a better explanation for it. Who who was involved with this crash? I mean, I, we still don't know. I got I received the same press release from the state police, but I didn't see um let me see if they Channel 12 has more info. The, the passenger of the pickup truck involved, passenger, doesn't say driver, was identified as Matthew Yarder, 39 of Newport, was killed. Ryan Van Winkle was arrested and charged with driving to endanger. But it still is unclear who were they involved with. I don't know. I don't think anybody has this yet. If they do, they're certainly not publicizing it. All right. All right. I'll check the journal. Who knows? It's possible. Broken clock is right twice a day. Um, brother remembers Portsmouth man killed in police shooting. Well, he never hurt anyone. He was right on the verge of turning his life around. Hard to believe. Nope. They have nothing on the crash. Yeah, it's just police road rage. Okay, maybe they do. A Warren man has been arrested. Connection. This is three hours ago. Road rage. Sunday, they identified the deceased as Matthew Yarder. While the crash remains, he's been charged with driving to endanger. Um, happened 10 a.m. Right, 95 North, just past Route 4. Two vehicles were involved in the reported road rage incident and proceeded the rollover. The occupants of the other vehicle stopped at the scene. What they told police, it believes the vehicle had rolled over had been the aggressor. So that they that hasn't been identified yet. That the one that rolled over was the aggressor. That's what we have learned. Um, hmm. Rhode Island's only Democrat candidate for Secretary of State, Greg Amore, according to Ted Nisi, reports 200000 on hand. He raised 43000 More money coming. Joe Shikachi is hosting a campaign fundraiser for him on May 16th. He'll be taking matching funds. You know, I had a dream that the Republicans had a candidate for Secretary of State. Unfortunately, it still remains just a dream. I must have been dreaming. I guess I was. Um, a man accused fatal hit and run was released on bail Monday. No mention that he needed a Spanish translator. I mean, I think that's important. Ashley Kalis, her company slated to begin 
closed-door mediation proceedings with the Rhode Island Department of Health. So that's interesting. There certainly could be an argument that she was so upset that her firm lost the contract with the state, her testing firm, that she said, you know what, I'm going to run for governor. I'm so angry with these people. It's possible. You know what else, though, that I don't understand? And again, folks, good afternoon. Right now it's uh, 1.56. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Um, the something else that that stands out is just that she included in her latest, and the only reason I know she has a television commercial is because it was posted online. I have, I have not seen it, like, on TV. Um, but is a lot of Republicans are not on board with the testing and the vaccine and everything else. I, I don't know how she's, she has a new commercial out. And Justin mentioned he thinks it's positive. Um, I'm not convinced of that yet. But what I think is interesting is she has this commercial out where she says she's the fighter and it shows her in a boxing ring. I'm not sure I would have. She then throws in they show her at a testing site and she's giving a COVID test. I don't know if I would have included that. Unless that's for the moderate, the middle of the road, independent voter. It could be. It absolutely could be that. But as I mentioned earlier, you know where Dan McKee, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop it and see them. They're waiting for you. Delicious food, drink, and lunch at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Ted Nisi put out, he got... More details from my said I asked Morning Consult, give me more detailing breakdown of the polling on Governor McKee's job approval rating. Listen to this, folks. Independence. 36% approve. 48% disapprove. Democrats with McKee, 60% approve, 20% disapprove. So he might look at that and say, I'm going to be fine in a Democrat primary. Among Democrats, he's got a 60% approval rating. So maybe Governor McKee feels that's all he cares about. But that becomes a problem in the general the general election in November when you have only a 36% approval rating and 48% disapprove. Also makes me wonder, how many Republicans did they? I don't know where they are in the um, Republican polling of this. And then also... Uh, Ted Nisi revealed, how about that, in a new book out, then-Governor Gina Raimondo, February 2020, on behalf of Bloomberg, told Biden to get out of the race. Remarkable. Folks, it's 159. I'm going to do a special uh, Facebook Live later tonight with the family of Matt Dennison, the West Warwick hockey player that was killed by the drunk driver. Listen, stay tuned for the John Dion program. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Visit the website, petro.com. Enjoy this Monday, but uh, stay tuned for the one o'clock news. W-N-O.